Welcome to another episode of the Line in the Sand podcast. I'm Hamish, your resident Essendon supporter. Joining me as always is the Hawthorne supporter, Amos. How are you today? Uh, unsettled, Hamish. The weather in Melbourne's been very unsettled. Mm-hmm. Uh, the board at Hawthorne's very unsettled. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're just mirroring those two, uh, those two feats at the moment. To be fair, I'd say the um, the whole league's a bit unsettled at the moment, uh, and it's going to be a fair topic of conversation tonight. Is um, the um, actually let's let's just open up with that. Let's open up. Um, this season was supposed to be Gill's swan song. He was supposed to be able to ride off into the sunset, um, pinning his hat on a lot of successes. But um, it's not quite looking as rosy as perhaps he'd hoped for it to be at the moment. No, I don't think so. There's certainly uh, normally at this stage of the uh, exodus, there's some sort of uh, media frenzy about who the mm-hmm. likely candidates are. And I haven't seen anything of late about who that could be. Um, there's an article published the other day about why Brendan Gale is not the uh, talk of the town and mm-hmm. the cup of tea of the commission potentially. And uh, Gill um, seemingly has a little while yet before he rides off into the sunset. Yes, I would have thought so. I mean, there's um quite a bit going on still. It's um you wouldn't necessarily want to be a new CEO coming in to tackle. You've got um issues around concussion and potential lawsuits. Um, the vote for the Tasmanian team um is coming up in the next few weeks, uh, which still has its own issues, mind you. Um, with a black hole in stadium funding, yet it if you believe everything that we're hearing. The, um, the presidents are all on board and it probably is going to still get through. So we're going to have a new team um, starting in 2027 that he's going to have to um, probably want his finger in the pie to make sure that that's set up properly to not be another GWS slash Gold Coast debacle as their first few seasons were. Um, and then you've got everything that's happened at um, Hawthorne as well. That, um, you know, he's announced how the... Um, that's the investigation and review is going to be set up. You'd think he'd be want to, he'd want to hang around for at least a little bit to see it through. I can't see him leaving any time in at least the next six months, probably 12. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think particularly the Hawthorne piece, um, you know, you mentioned the, the concussion situation earlier, that's going to go on for forever and a day. So I think whoever is the incoming CEO is still going to have to deal with that, uh, at some point in their tenure. Um, mm-hmm. Tasmania as well. Um, I think uh, one, I think Gill's masterstroke there would be getting the clubs to sign up on that. I mm. think that would be his uh, legacy in that space. And then maybe even heading up some sort of consortium or something to deliver the stadium and the team, maybe, who knows, down the track. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I, I really think the um, it's the Hawthorne piece that's sort of keeping the commission up at night Yeah, uh, because they just don't know what's going to come out of it. Um, and you know Hawthorne have uh, you know just this week uh, announced that they've opened up um, to all their employees, players, coaches, and employees in the period of two thousand eight to two thousand and sixteen for historic accounts of their time and experiences at the football club. So, as part of a directive of the um, of the investigation going on, so. Yeah, that who knows what that's going to bring about, mm-hmm. um, let alone what we've already heard already. So, um, yeah, I suspect that is what is keeping the commission, yeah, uh, nervous and probably Gill 
uh, staying longer than he expected to. Yeah, I think that's the um, the big one that will keep him there only because he's announced it. You'd think he'd want to see that through. I think that's the big one that could also impact his legacy in the game. Like up until recently, um, you know, the, the concussion issues were issues before he became the um, CEO and they will continue to be issues well after he leaves the game. He can't sort of necessarily um, be held to account solely for that. Um, although if there are these lawsuits coming through that we're hearing about that, that's going to be of concern to him, obviously, but I don't think that's going to necessarily impact his legacy um the tasmanian team would be a a great feather in the cap but it is the resolution of this the 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 saga that's happened at hawthorne that i think is going to be what is weighing most heavily on him and you know he's only what 49 50 i think he's uh, about 10 years older than i am like so it's not like he's um sailing off into retirement and jumping in a caravan and traveling around australia chasing the sun he's looking for a next career move somewhere and um He's going to want to resolve this so it looks good for his own legacy and looks good for his resume for his next role. Yeah, correct. I mean, look, he may don the gold jacket and head via Warnable on a lap of the country in May. Who knows? But mm-hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> I think the uh, I think that's the the piece that's keeping him. I think it'll keep him till uh, grand final after the grand final next year, mm-hmm. and then uh, he'll uh, hand over to whoever um, succeeds him. But um, I think, you know, they've set out that they hope that the report or investigation is complete by Christmas. Obviously, findings and, and whatever else, as we discussed last week, will come in the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, and no doubt there'll be implementation of recommendations and, and all sorts of things uh, involved with that, uh, as well as the potential fallout of, you know, organisations such as WorkSafe and if the allegations are proven, which I can't see how they would be in this type of investigation mm. but you know there's the worst case scenario for this whole thing is um uh you know criminal charges mm. so uh you know if all that goes on then um yeah he would have to be um the linchpin in, in maintaining the continuity of the afl yeah. in that space going forward mm. so um yeah and and then you know, by this time next year, say, that, that's probably enough time for him to have done what's required out yeah. of that to, and then move on. So, yeah. yeah. It, and, but like you said, it's fair to say the, uh, that the list of names that were um, potentially looking to take over is getting shorter by the day and there's no yeah. real standout. I mean, you know, Xavier Campbell was always touted as one that was going to be next in line, but given the yeah. way he left at Essendon, I'm not sure that's, um, really an option and i think a few others might be sort of also um you know who may have had their hands up might be holding it down just for a little while to see what <laughs> happens here before they decide whether they yeah. want to be next in line or um see what the how how it all resolves itself so yeah um yeah i'm sure we'll hit see that speculation heat up again but i think that speculation's at least six months away until we get deep into the findings of the hawthorne review and um, find a m- perhaps more appropriate time to actually hand over. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, Gil, Gil is uh, unfortunately got another 12 months mm. earning a couple of million bucks, uh, but it'll be a hard slog. It won't be an easy couple of million bucks earned. So. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought so. I think there's a fair bit of um, work to go into it, but um, 
you know, he's used to it and he'll um, he'll see it through, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, the other interesting role to be filled at AFL headquarters is the one that um, was um, vacated by the future Essendon Premiership coach, Brad Scott. Um, there's um, only really one name that's sort of been um, touted about there, I think, significantly. One, um, Jimmy Bartell. Have you heard any other names that have been stuck up for that role? No, not really. Uh, it's been Bartel and no one else, mainly. Uh, you know, obviously, he'd have to relinquish his role at GWS mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, media roles, you would assume. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's um, always said he's keen to get in that, into that side of football. So mm-hmm. um, I can't see that, um, you know, I don't see him being a, a bad appointment necessarily. Yeah. Um, but you would like a, a wide-ish net cast. And maybe that's another thing that's keeping... Um, Gill and the job is that he doesn't have that 2IC slash right-hand man at the moment. Um, so he'd almost be running two departments. I mean, I know he's probably set up internally. I think it was Travis Old, I think. There's, well, there's a number of moves that were made to cover mm. off that time frame. But, um, uh, you know, um, the fact that he, you know, doesn't have that operations boss there uh, and seemingly ensconced uh, would be another cause of concern for the commission. And how mm. could you have a, a, a billion-dollar organisation uh, running without a CEO or a operations boss? Interesting times. Very interesting times. You know, mm. and I, I think, you know, the real piece keeping them up at night is why Jordan Degoe is going back to Bali. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, he he's over there for tra- he's going he's heading over for training purposes uh, as he was last time. I'm sure nothing. Um, now that he's signed a contract with um behavioural clauses in it, at least at the beginning, I'm sure he'll be on his best behaviour, and he's only over there to ensure he comes back at peak fit um fitness for the start of the next season. Yeah, lots of uh, hill runs, humidity, sand training, uh, mm. you know, and no bin tanks. No visits to Cuda. So hopefully they're on the other side yep. of the island. Yep. Stay away from the nightclubs. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, what's going on at Hawthorne? What isn't going on at Hawthorne, I think, is the uh, the key. We've uh, wrapped up our first AFLW season, which we'll touch on shortly. Um, Jeff's sent a missive to the, uh, the club faithful, um, endorsing his preferred candidates for the upcoming board elections and AGM. Uh, which we'll uh, get to in a second. He's also going in or has potentially already had spinal surgery. So he's out of action for a few weeks, mm-hmm. leading uh, his hopeful president-elect, Peter Nankervell, in charge. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, not least to say how we contend with a list that's got an average age of 17. <laughs> yeah, so I think that'll be the first job of the new president is to sack Sam Mitchell when they realise that he completely stuffed it up by um, delisting everybody <laughs> over twenty four. That's right, exactly right. Mm-hmm. We're uh, we're going back to our, our tried and true days of reserve grade apprenticeships before we uh, give you a senior game. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, our reserve grade is going to be the uh, Fox Hill on the twelfth. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. But um, no, look, it's going to be an interesting few weeks. Uh, we've got the Hawthorne AGM coming up on the 13th of December where uh, there'll be three ball positions, you know, up for up for grabs plus uh, uh, a contest for the presidency. So mm-hmm. uh, Peter Nankabell, the current vice president, is the preferred nominee from the current board. 
and uh, Andy Gowers, ex-Hawthorne Premiership player, is contesting that position. Interestingly, both the men were up on the nominations committee set up to um, come up with the preferred presidential nominee. Um, and it was found, apparently, uh, if you believe the club and Jeff's letters to the members earlier in the year, that uh, there were no standout candidates. Hence, Peter Nankervell had to be convinced to uh, take on the role. Mm. Um, and Andy Gowers, obviously, and the uh, Hawthorne for Change group, obviously not happy with that. So he's decided to stand uh, as well. So, and look, I don't think it sat well with a lot of Hawthorne supporters how Peter Nankervell gained the nomination. Um, it did sound a lot like preferential treatment um, without a, a uh, open and, and an honest process however um you know those six people on that committee made up of three board members plus uh, three independents you know obviously went down that path um but uh, interestingly two of those are now the uh, president elects shall we say um and then we've got uh two other board members who are up for election as is the club charter where you can serve a three-year term before coming up for election that's dr Anne-Marie Pellitzer and and Katie Hudson, both um, well-renowned Hawthorne people and have been on the board since 2019. Um, and um, as Jeff said in his letter, uh, Dr. Pellitzer is our medical advisor on the board uh, and Katie Hudson chairs our, uh, our financial committees as well as the, um, the uh, oh, finance and audit committee and AFLW committee uh, for Katie Hudson. So, um, you know, both ladies have, of providing integral expertise, shall we say, um, mm. not least borne out by Hawthorne's successful uh, exit from pokies um, over the last 12 months. Uh, and then because of uh, Peter Nankervell's expected elevation, um, there's a, a board position open and the club have nominated Maria Louis, um, who's been part of the, uh, the club through there. Um, foundation board and, and chair of the Hawks Community Foundation um, to take over that position if successfully elected. Um, and she'll take over as a uh, Hawthorne's uh, legal and governance, governance portfolio, according to Jeff. So they're his preferred uh, transitional handovers, shall mm -hmm. we say. Um, and look, fair enough. Jeff wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't set out his preferred nominations Yeah. Um, and trying to get Hawthorne members to vote that way. Um, obviously, we have three other nominees. We've talked about Andy Gowers, who's uh, going for president. Um, I don't necessarily oppose that. I think it's good for a uh, bit of change if there's been disharmony and issues at board level, which they have at Hawthorne. Um, then we've got Ed Sill, who's the current president of the Box Hill Hawks, putting his hand up as a board member. Uh, and also former or can we say former member from Mombok and outgoing mm -hmm. deputy premier, James Molino. Um, so both long-time Hawthorne members um, putting their hands up for board positions as well. So, so what you're saying is this is a battle <laughs> of uh, Labor versus Liberal for the control of the Hawthorne Football Club. Well, yeah. Look, I'm hoping that whichever one get through, they'll just get more mm -hmm. and more money for the Kennedy Kennedy yeah. Centre in Dingley, mm -hmm. which well, is going to cost much more than yeah. everyone, anyone expected. Yeah, well, um, you know, Box Hill is now a Labor seat. Uh, yeah. Hawthorne is a Teal slash independent seat. And, um, the, well, you know, the, the Sandbelt area down around Ding, Dingley, down that way, it's um, 
it's a must-win area for both mm-hmm. parties. It's the perfect That's time it. for the Hawthorne Football Club to be sticking their hand out for money. Correct. Exactly. I think you're selling uh, John Pasudo a bit short for Hawthorne. He was uh, ousted unceremoniously in the last election. He was. Um, um, and, you know, good luck to him and sticking his hand up again. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens that night. I, I won't know um, the results on the election day. I'll be... Um, on a plane over to Dubai for a work conference. So oh, be, I'll, get off the, <laughs> I'll get off the plane and um, be hearing the results of the election um, in wow. real time as I'm transitioning to the airport. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Postal votes are us. Mm. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I need to remember to vote before I go. Um, for my local candidate in Essendon, I'm very much looking forward to it. Mm. Do you have a candidate over there? Uh, that's a story for another day. I, I'm... I, I'm, <laughs> I'm um, as a Liberal Party member locally, I am working on that, yes. But uh, we don't have one endorsed yet. I see uh, H. Jones is not uh, on any of the core flutes going around. Uh, I, I can assure you that one Hamish Jones will not be the candidate for Essendon for the Liberal Party. <laughs> I don't think it would be appropriate for a candidate not to be in the country on election day. Wow, you know, this is... Uh, mm. Well, we've seen other politicians not be, not be in the country at seminal moments in their leadership and, and other, you know, issues going on. So That's true. Who would you be not to follow suit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will not be the candidate. I will not be a candidate in this state election for, for the <laughs> Liberal Party or any other party or as an independent. I can assure mm. you of that. Mm. Yes, I'm not sure Catherine would uh, <laughs> return mm. your advances if you did. No. You want me to tell you about what's sport? Yeah. yeah. You want me to tell you about what's going on at Essendon? Is it as organised and as uh, you know openly? Sure. Well, it's not aggressive at Hawthorne. It's just mm. passive aggressive at the moment. I think both uh, yeah. both corners are about to come out swinging. But mm. um, yeah, interesting to see what uh, what the campaign is like. But uh, what's the what's happening in Bomberland? Um, well, there were rumblings of a challenge um, after some of the missteps from the um, current president. Um, Mr. Barham, there there were rumblings that um you know Paul Little was going to make a comeback or start um you know being an architect to get others to make another challenge after the previous challenge to the board, but it seems that um that has all quietened down a little bit. There's not a huge amount of media speculation and discussion about um the elections. There will be an election. I, I can't tell you who all the candidates are. I know that there are um more nominations than there are board positions as often happens um, at a club AGM. You get a few members that um, get a bit ahead of themselves and think they've got the numbers to get something done and I'll and get the votes of them and their own family members. And that's about it, but that's okay. And, and, or they'll get a letter in mail or an email, uh, very blunt uh, as you had experienced in the previous lifetime. Yes. Um, yeah. No, but you know, we've got to the stage where these nominations have been su- submitted. So they may, oh. may very well have got that letter and then <laughs> chosen to ignore it and exercise their democratic right to um, run for election. Um, but um, interestingly, it seems that at least one of the board candidates for Essendon is moving into the 21st century. Um, Andrew Muir, been on the board since 2015, former CEO and chairman of The Good Guys, has set up a Facebook page. And not only has he set up a Facebook page, he's paying for sponsored posts. Holy and um, I received, that is organization. yes, I've received a, um, a sponsored post um, from Andrew this morning. To be fair, uh, I've always liked the work he's done on the board and he was probably going to get my vote anyway. Um, 
But um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting that um, he's moved to that level to try and shore up his support and um, ensure that it um, sticks out and, there. So, uh, and what's his uh, what, what's he running on? Oh, he's running on a. Um, you know, there were some mistakes made. We have a stable board now and we've um, done the reviews and we're moving forward. So it's not time for change, which, you know, is a fairly reasonable um, argument to make, I would have thought. Um, he, he's standing for re-election. Um, Andrew Welsh um, is, um, you know, was appointed as the football director, but has to actually go to the election now. So it's, um, yeah. I, I think it's more of a ticket thing of the let's stick with the status quo and let's let us actually implement um, what we're here to do and what we've um, had the review done to make happen. So I think, um, you know, I, I don't think he'd be too worried, but obviously he's um, put a bit of money into it just to make sure, cause I'm sure the football club's not paying for his ads. It's um, him coming out of his own pocket. Yeah. Not that he's not that he's short of a dollar as the um, you know, former <laughs> yeah. CEO of the good guys. I think he can afford it. Yeah. And does the Bombers have a charter like Hawthorne where, uh, three-year terms uh, as a board member you can sit for nine years before having to exit and president for six uh, no there, there's no, I don't think there is actually a term limit I think you can I mean I think you can stay for as long as you want to if you really want to um, but uh, um, yeah like I mean don't quote me on that I haven't looked at, mm. enough into it but I know that there's certainly yeah. been plenty of board members that have been there for a long time and I would have thought that there's um, and I've not heard any that um, any times that there have been term limits. Having said that, they are um, suggesting constitutional changes at this year's AGM as well. Um, I've had a quick look through the um, new proposed um, constitution and um, some of the um, added sections that they um, are suggesting. At a quick glance, it looks like they're really more um, the perfunctory stuff, uh, just tidying up a few things and... Um, making sure they comply with the corporations act but um yeah, you know yeah. as um a cynical person formerly <laughs> involved in student politics and actively involved in wider politics over a number of decades i always assume the worst and assume that there's something hidden in there that um <laughs> perhaps shouldn't be so i will um read through that more with a fine tooth comb before we yeah. come to election day unfortunately i won't be able to attend the agm of the bombers because um uh, I am then going will then be overseas on a family trip, but I need to work out before I go whether I need to assign a proxy to someone. And um, thankfully, I can still exercise my democratic. <laughs> I think you can only assign the proxy um, just for the sake of listeners. Um, we, we record this via Zoom and Amos was sticking his hand up to be um, that proxy. I'm not sure. I think you have to be a member of the football club as well to um, mm. receive that proxy. So I'm not sure that you'd be eligible to hold that um, proxy for me anyway, Amos, but thanks for the offer. Um, well, you know, uh, I like to disrupt and you know, uh, annoy ask, and agitate. Ask all the tough questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wouldn't expect anything less. Um, no, but I mean, it's similar, I guess, in um, Hawthorne's situation because, uh, yeah, Peter Nankabell next year would be up for his nine-year term and mm. the cynic in me suggests that, or, you know, says that, uh, yeah, by elevating to presidency, just extending his time on the board, mm. um, you know, those sort of things. So it's interesting... Um, how different clubs operate. I mean, how how are the Essendon board members, I guess, chosen to be up for election? Is that they've got a term that they have to? Oh yeah, so there's a certain yeah. term, and not everyone's up for election. Yeah, at each AGM, yeah. obviously. So they yeah. uh, they've set that up pretty well. That um, yeah. it's certain terms, and that that's the same whether yeah. you're appointed or not. Like you don't 
if you're appointed, you don't just get to stay there forever. Yeah. You're appointed for a term and then you um, have to go yeah. back to the, um, the, the membership to yeah. keep that yeah. spot and continue there. Yeah, so it sounds like the constitution's just uh, adding, you know, like all businesses at the moment, uh, modern slavery and bits and pieces mm. like that to cover off the Corporations Act. As you yeah, say. some so, of that sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah, handling their PII data yeah. mm. well uh, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. As a membership organisation, mm. got to be done. Yeah. So. Um, more interestingly out of the bombers, though, is um, some of the stuff around the um, the two reviews that were done. Um, Paul Brash's... Um, internal review and um, uh, Barham's external review. It turns out both reviews came up with pretty much the same suggestions as to what's come <laughs> out to date with the two positions, um, you know, added to add more high performance um, um, staff to the S and the, to the football department, um, you know, to ensure that they don't continue down the same path um, that um, they've been roundly criticised by um, Matthew Lloyd and others and, you know, get the players fit and get the players sorted out. So um, it'll be interesting to see if um, who, who ends up in those roles and if anyone else is going to be shown the door as more of the external review comes to light. Um, so how, but, uh, how, how creative will the finance department have to get to, uh, you know, remove the funds spent on this external review that clearly hasn't been required <laughs> because it sounds like there's a job for mates going there and uh, yeah. you know someone's just uh, seen the internal review and got a bit of cut and paste yeah well um yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens there but having said that uh, they the club has already um flagged that they will exceed their soft cap with all these extra staff and yeah. extra coaches this year so they um We'll have to pay the fine that comes along with that to um, to um, keep to be able to spend that money. But um, you know the th those tax. the old luxury tax. Those two roles haven't been filled yet. But the um, the coaching um, department has been expanded greatly. Obviously with um, Brad Scott at the helm. But we've got uh, Lee Tudor's coming over to the Bombers. I saw that. Um, That's a pretty good pickup. Yeah, Ben Jacobs um, coming over as well from a role he had at the Saints. Um, obviously, an ex North Melbourne and um, Port Adelaide player, and um, Hurley's continuing on at the club. Um, and Travis Cloak was initially signed as the VFLW coach, but has also um, got a role as an assistant coach with the men's team as well. Ah, oh, good. I, I like I like that. Those sort of appointments i think so um i did forget to mention hawthorne are now on the lookout for an assistant coach as well with the uh, exit of robert harvey back to st mm -hmm. kilda so yeah. uh uh we might come knocking yes that, that is thing is you've got too yeah. many and we could take some off your hands uh, that isn't it well no actually ha having said that um carousella and uh, g and sarah cruz are, have also recently re-signed so it is a very big um coaching department or mm -hmm. coaching and football department at bomberland compared to what was there previously yeah, and, and yeah, maybe that's how Brent's got likes. It. Who knows? But yeah. uh, is, maybe it's uh, also obviously a response to the, the board reports mm. about lack of resource and player development and these sort of things. So um, my key question is, based on Lloydie's question, is who's the head of fitness and, uh, and all that sort of stuff? Has uh, Brad Scott poached anyone from his days at North Melbourne? Um, no, well, no, they, well none, none of that's been announced yet, but obviously... Um... You know, he'll have some preferred people for those roles that he'll be suggesting to the board and suggesting to everybody as well. Um, yeah. But, you know, you'd think they'd also want to find a CEO pretty soon as well. Um, yeah. Uh, it um, seems that um, 
As the AFL's fine. They don't grow on trees, mate. No. So maybe oh, Gil could come to Essendon. Maybe Gil and, could come uh, to Essendon. And Xavier yeah. Campbell goes to the yeah, AFL. Just a straight yeah, swap, yeah. a straight swap, yeah. you reckon? Oh, yeah. That's a win-win for trades, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That'd be a massive trade week bombshell. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. No. I think Gil's got bigger fish to fry. Yeah. So, um, But it'll be interesting. Apparently, um, Greg Swan, they're looking to poach um, from the Brisbane Lions and get him back down to Melbourne. He's apparently the number one on Essendon's list at the moment. If he came down to the Bombers, he would hold very interesting portfolio or resume of being similar positions at Collingwood, Carlton, yeah, and then Essendon. You wouldn't have many other CEOs that have done that, <laughs> would you? No, mm. especially with the yeah. well, I mean the rivalries aren't as strong as they used to be, yeah. perhaps at the moment with the relative lack of success, you know, apart from the Tigers. But yeah. um, you know, the pies obviously um, a little while ago, but uh, um, yeah, that would be an interesting, interesting yeah. CV to look at. So, yeah, look, I mean, he he'd be great in the role. It's fair to say he's not my preferred candidate. I think that the um, the club could look to um, sports success in other sporting organisations and sporting codes and still achieve a similar result. And um, I think, uh, I think we're agreeing on that. Yeah, a passionate Essendon man himself. Um, so you've got the the passion. Um, with the experience, I think um, you could certainly do worse than that. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be getting a mention anywhere, so I'm not sure what's happening there. Well, maybe as your uh, right as a member, be pushing the case. Mm, I should write a letter to the um, current president saying, um, please advise on the status of negotiations with um, <laughs> said former CEO and um, see what's happening there. Yeah, and, and why, why is there no imminent announcement? Well, maybe just go direct to the source. <laughs> but I'll, I'll do both. Maybe I'll um maybe I'll um maybe I'll write a letter to the president and see if I get a response before our next recording, and um go direct to the source as well and see if he's prepared to go on the record. Because you know that would be a pretty good get as our first ever guest. It would. Mm. No pressure. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Um, one last thing before we move on from the Essendon Football Club and talk about the end of our team's AFLW seasons. Um, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody um, has flagged an interest in returning to AFL level. He has, um, it has been reported that he's spoken to Fremantle and um, given that he's over in WA at the moment and that's where his family are, um, Fremantle, I believe, have said that he could come and train on with them and then potentially be offered a spot. Um, I don't think that's quite what he was looking for. And it seems that Essendon has um, now come squarely back into the frame as the front runner to sign um, Anthony. And that the current media reports are, if he's fit enough, the um, the club is... Um, prepared to keep him on the list, which, um, you know, is probably the easiest option for him and the football club, given he is currently still technically holding a list spot, given he retired mid-season. Um, is it, was he contracted for next year? Or, like, did he retire a year out from... Yeah, he still had um, t- time left on his contract, I believe. Yeah. So that's... Um, that I was wondering him. whether that would mean that, you know, he would have to be re-rookied or something like that. Mm. But if he's got a contract for next year... He's got the contract and he's got the spot. So if he... Yeah. Um, like, so I think, I believe the club's got about a week to 
um, have it have it um, you know to enforce that retirement, which he did announce. So it's not like he yeah. could really argue the point there, yeah. or whether they say no, he's um, still on the list. So um, mm. he, well, I suppose, given we've seen clubs delist players over the last, well, mainly last week, I suppose. Yeah, mm. it's interesting that his name never came up. No one really talked about it. Everyone yeah. just assumed that it would happen, obviously, with the retirement. But uh, um, interesting they haven't done it already. So yeah. obviously, do you reckon it's uh, who? Who do you reckon? Um, yeah, brought the discussions on. Do you reckon Tip has gone to the Bombers and said, how about it? Or they've come and said, well, you're well, someone we really yeah. missed last year. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, they did miss him clearly. Well, they, they missed him. They missed the tipper from the previous season. He was, yeah, um, yeah that's right. You know, yeah. his off-field issues meant he was unfit and he was um, yeah. not ready to play. But um, they missed that kind of play. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, you know, it helps that he's... Um, his manager is Scott Lucas, who's obviously very close with the Essendon Football Club as well. So that meant that the conversations were probably sort of ongoing, even if it was just on the down low and very informal of where's his head at, what's going on, is he going to want to come back? So I think it's, um, you know, he yeah. says his head's right. He says he, he's fit enough. Um, if he proves himself over the next 10 days, I think we'll see him back at Essendon next year. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, interesting. I, I mean, as I said, uh, potentially looking at a Stewie Jew type situation where Hawthorne mm. drafted him, you know, way back when uh, yeah. from Fremantle. And if that's not forthcoming, um, yeah, why wouldn't he stay at the Bombers? Mm. So, but I think uh, you'd want him to be all in, obviously. Like, it'd be really disappointing if you got to March and said, no, nah, I'm out. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, like that would be, like, whatever the reasons, that would not sit well with a lot of people I wouldn't have thought. Oh yeah, it it would suck because um you know it, it it would dramatically impact their draft strategy on draft night. It's not like um, yeah. it's not like someone else lower down the list that you might um you know yeah. that you could fill in with a um you know a, a Nick Martin or a um a Wanganeen as a run on player that's trained with you over the summer. This is um someone yeah that role is someone that you'd be picking much higher up the draft if, yeah. if you were filling uh, that gap yeah and i think even if i'm the bomber like let's say he does come back and you know is um uh, retained for next year mm. um if i'm the bombers i don't think it changes my draft strategy too much i'm still looking to draft a similar type of player because yeah, yeah he's not going to be around beyond the mm. next couple of years anyway yeah. so um, what oh, yeah, I guess, I guess I mean, you know, you, whether you whether they'd look for a more established player, yeah, yeah, if um, he wasn't there, uh, as to, as opposed to yeah, the next the next player to play that role, because you it's yeah. a difference between um, recruiting an eighteen year old and a twenty three, twenty four year old. Yeah, spot on. Mm. So yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how it works, because um, mm. like everybody, I just assumed he was gone and he'd have to be redrafted or something. So yeah, mm. interesting. Um. The how did the um how did the AFLW season finish for the Hawks? Uh, in a close uh, five point loss to the Dockers mm. in Perth. Uh, so disappointing, uh, considering the girls led for for most of the day um, in a wind affected match. Uh, but um, look, similar to pretty much the whole season, uh, the Hawks girls put in a, a great effort, uh, retiring. Uh, Star Jess Duffin, um, you know, at one point it was uh, Jess Duffin one two eight to Fremantle mm-hmm. no score. Um, so in her last game, she she dominated early, um, and then sort of faded out a bit as opportunities, um, you know, 
were on the wane, but she did kick a, a goal in the last quarter to get Hawthorne back with a sniff. Uh, but certainly um, kicking to the left of screen, as it were, mm. uh, was the scoring end because, um, you know, both clubs struggled to kick uh, kick the other way against the breeze. And, um, look, I saw most of the match. I missed uh, most of the last quarter, unfortunately, but um, the girls uh, you know, put in a brilliant effort. There's some, some great passages of play. Um, uh, and, um, you know, I think it's uh, an exact replica of what our season has been like. High intensity, yeah. high effort, uh, perhaps a little down on skills, but they're getting better. Um, and, um, you know, a close, close result. I mean, we've had some beltings earlier in the season, but the second half of the year's certainly been much, much better. Um, and the girls, uh, we've got a lot, lot to look forward to next season. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully a couple of uh, awards coming up in the end of season awards with the Rising Star potentially mm. for Jasmine Fleming and, and a couple of other things. So, um, you know, it's, um, it's been a really good season, I think. Um, much better than I expected from our girls. I wasn't sure exactly what to expect, seeing how young they went uh, early in the year and then a couple of injuries uh, to establish players early in the piece. Um, but the fact that they had those three wins... Um, and you know, acquitted themselves really, really well against much more seasoned opposition uh, across the board. Um, you know, it's been a, a great triumph, I would say, even though obviously not making the finals in their first yeah. year. Um, but certainly all goes well for a, a stronger second season. Hopefully they don't all get second-year blues <laughs> at the same time because yeah. mm-hmm. uh, they could be in a bit of trouble. But, um, you know, I think um, Pet Goddard and, and the coaching group uh, and the playing group have got a lot to be proud of and a lot mm-hmm. to work with going forward. So... Uh, really impressive. Looking forward to seeing how uh, the season is uh, set up for next season yep. uh, by the AFLW. And then uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how the girls go and hopefully they can go a few wins better um, you know, and, and challenge for, for some of those spots because uh, certainly it wasn't for lack of effort. Um, mm. This year it was perhaps uh, lack of age and yep. you know, consistent training and skill and, and being together for a long time. So um, at the top end of the ladder, you're seeing Melbourne, Adelaide, Brisbane, who have been around for yeah. a long time in the competition and, and they're clearly the, the top three teams, um, you know, going for the title. Uh, and I think Richmond snuck into the top four and they've only been around three seasons, um, but this is their first crack at the finals. So, um, you know, if it uh, turns, it, it could turn pretty quickly. Yeah. So, uh, really happy with it. Um, disappointing loss to the Bombers, which uh, kicked off the season, which... Um, Still angers me, but great uh, game of football. <laughs> the fact, we didn't beat the Bombers once this year just really yeah. shits me. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, it was a great learning season. I think mm. uh, the girls will be much better for it next year. Yeah. What about your your team? I saw that actually. I saw in your game. I haven't seen it, but uh, a reasonably distressing injury coming out of the game today. So yeah, um, the, I'll I'll get to that. But um, mm. look, the Bombers had a good win to finish off the season. Um, with four wins, that has them best placed uh, of the expansion teams this season, finishing 10th, um, four and six. Uh, look, it, it was a great game today. Um, it shows that, um, you know, when, when they're on, they're on. And um, the, the final score was 5 7 37 to 1 4 10. Um, Daria Bannister kicked two goals. Um, in a shocking turn of events, um, best on ground was. Um, Maddie Prasparkas again with uh, 24 possessions and eight tackles. Um, 
she's a superstar of the game and would have to go close to winning um, the league best and fairest. Um, look, it was a look. It was a good season. Uh, you know, I think they recruited well in getting in players like. Um, um, you know, like Prasparkas and um, Too Good and a few of the others there. I think that lifted some of the other players that um, were coming in at this year level. I think the um, injury to Georgia Nanscorn, even before the season had started, um, hampered them. It was, may have been the difference in one or two of those really close games, given how much he dominated at the um, VFLW level. But, you know, I don't think you could really have a complaint about this season and how, and, you know, and how it's gone. If they can keep this list together and bring in um, someone like Georgia next year, um, who's still on the list just as a long-term injury, I think um, they're um, well-placed to move up the ladder and um, compete for a final spot next year. Uh, like you said, it's those top few play, the top few teams that have been around for a long time that have been dominating for a long time. So it'll depend on how they structure the season and that, and as to um, where the ladder positions finish, I think if it's an, another 18 team, 10 round season, you're going to see the same sort of lopsided ladder results. Even if some of the games might start to get closer, they've got to work out how they're going to um, even out the season a bit more. Um as you said, there was a, um, a bit of a um, distressing injury. Um, Lily Rose Williamson, uh, one of the Essendon players, um, uh, got hit in a heavy tackle and um, was stretched off with some neck concerns. Um, haven't really had an update um, on to um, what happened there. She was uh, taken to hospital for an assessment. Uh, the coach, Natalie Wood, said she's in good spirits, but I um, as of the time of recording, uh, which obviously is only um, a few hours after the game finished. Um, I don't have a further update there, but hopefully she's okay and um, can recover fairly quickly, uh, get herself back to Melbourne and um, recuperate with anything she needs from here as well. Yeah. And participate in Mad Monday. Most of yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, look, that, that's the season done for um, our two teams. Obviously, uh, coming into round one of the finals, though, there'd be some interesting matchups there, given how the um, top eight for the AFLW has um, has um, come about. Um, the by far and away the four best uh, performed teams this year. Um, you've got Brisbane versus uh, the Tigers. Um, they, I think, that'll be a um, look. There'll probably be a, a Brisbane win, but that still gives Richmond the second chance. That's it. Um, yeah. Um, Metricon Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the finals kick off with um, Melbourne and Adelaide, which is the other big game on Friday night. That's at Icon Park. That'll be a big one there. And um, I can't really split that one. I think they've both performed really well, but that'll be um, a good fun game to watch the results of. Um, Geelong versus North down at GMHBA on Saturday um, Saturday evening. And yeah. then... Just, Craig, just to pull you up, I wonder if Melbourne are a bit disappointed they can't play their final at Casey Fields. Mm. which holds probably a greater home advantage uh, than Icon Park would, given they never play there. So a bit like uh, Geelong and the MCG. But um, I guess, you know. they're um, you know, it's typical AFL style of um, bugger the home ground advantage if we think, uh, think we can get a crowd there, which, um, you know, is why Geelong play there. Um, the Geelong men's team play <laughs> their home games at the MCG and not no. at um, GMHBA. Well, I'm actually just reading that Casey Fields is unavailable due to cricket. So, yeah. although given uh, the weather we've had in Melbourne, I can't see cricket being played in the next week. So uh, no. potentially they've been dotted there anyway. 
and uh, yeah. well, yeah, and the first um, round of the, the first round of the finals ends on Saturday or Sunday afternoon with Collingwood play, playing the Bulldogs. Yeah. So a couple of eliminations, a couple with a second chance. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, it'd be a good good final series, I think. So mm. yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, even though our teams are out, we'll keep track of some of those results um, and, you know, at least a little bit. But I think for the next few weeks, the um, start to speculate a bit more about some of the draft picks and what's ha- and the horse trading that happens in the men's competition as we and as we come into preseason and that, that sort of draft period. Yeah, looking forward to it. So Excellent. that's uh, the next uh, four weeks wrapped up. We'll just uh, spruik uh, whatever Callum Toomey says and go from there, I think. Yeah, um, Callum Toomey and um, and you know old Tom Brown and will come up with a few um, opinions as well. We'll, we'll 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 discuss them and dissect them and see what we can come up with. Correct. Maybe we should have an episode as well on uh, you know what draft coverage should be like on Fox just to spice things up, keep us up five and keep us interesting. Oh yeah, why not? You know, there's a, we, do we go down the American sport path and get really excited about it with the flashing lights and things like that? I think they're already starting down that path, but how much further we could take it and what could they add? I want the players to come out in their ridiculous suits and the and the club caps like they do in the NBA. Yeah. Tower tower over Gilmore. Well, it's hard to tower over Gilmore Gotham because he's so tall. But uh, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see the, the fashion get ups. But uh, I see, think we're going to see some uh, iron free chinos and uh, polo shirts. <laughs> I think that's about it. You're right. <laughs> mm. So yes. Anyway, we'll look something to, to look forward to. That's right. Yeah, and this has been another episode of the Line in the Sand podcast. Please make sure you tell your friends and family and uh, like our Facebook page at Line in the Sand podcast. Thanks and have a good night. Good night.